Johnny White Trash, and Christmas time is upon us once again. And as is becoming part of a yearly tradition, at least I think it is, I'm here on the SLS cast to talk about I don't know. <laughs> no, I do know what I am talking about today. I just wanted to uh, mention, you know, Christmas comes around and, you know, some people, you know, they watch, you know, the classics, the, uh, you know, the It's a Wonderful Life or White Christmas with Bing Crosby, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, and Sound of Music. I don't know if this was just my house, but I, for some reason, Sound of Music was considered a Christmas movie. And then other people watch, you know, the more updated classics like uh, Home Alone or Home Alone 2. You know, maybe you're feeling a little risque and you watch Bad Santa, you know, and, and other movies like that. And, and also, we get it. We get it. Yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. We get it. You're hip. You're cool. We get it. Uh, my favorite scene, personally, is when Rudolph throws all of the other reindeer off that building in downtown L.A. That is my favorite scene from Die Hard. You know, and I thought it was a little petty just because all of the other reindeer wouldn't let Rudolph play any reindeer games. I mean, they sorted that shit out later on. I don't know if you remember the story. Spoilers, I guess. And maybe, just maybe, uh, I, I do feel like I do have to mention those creepy puppety claymate. I don't even know what they are, but like, uh, a little warning, and I'm not saying I know this from previous experience, but I heard from a friend. Um, you want to avoid things like mushrooms or acid or, or any kind of uh, psychedelic that might mess with your uh, uh, field of vision. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, those traditional uh, Christmas movies, the, the weird ass clear. Anyway, anyway, anyway. This year, I was wondering if you could do me a favor. I just have a little, uh, not even a suggestion. I'm just saying. One movie, one Christmas movie that I think often gets forgotten about. And no, it's not The Grinch That Stole Christmas, because I know I haven't mentioned that one yet either. No, there's this 1996 classic, classic, at least I find it a classic, Jingle All The Way, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Sinbad, who, despite popular belief, was never a genie in any movie or TV show. It's true. It's true. He's even said it on Twitter himself. Johnny, that's the Mandela effect. Don't get me started on the Mandela effect, okay? That's just a bunch of millennials who, <clears throat> who believe that the universe is completely warped and collapsing in on itself because that is more believable than the fact that you're wrong. Yeah, but a lot of... No, sorry. That was a tangent. Jingle All The Way, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Phil Hartman was in there. Like I said, Sinbad. There's even a moment. There's even a moment where you see the big show from WWE. And the movie, um, it was a little more relevant back then. I don't know if... 
Well, no, I guess it still is relevant. You know, if you look at like the NES Classic and the way it's selling out and, you know, they could they could reboot this. Oh, boy. I know reboot's a bad word on this show, but I'm just saying a rebooted jingle all the way with, I don't even know who. Could you still get Arnold? You could probably, st- yeah, you could get Arnold. You could make it a sequel. It doesn't have to be a reboot. And Arnold has to get an NES classic for his grandchildren. But I digress. Sorry, I went off the rails there. And and the whole thing is it was kind of a spoof on the Tickle Me Elmo situation that many of us lived through. I mean, I never even wanted a Tickle Me Elmo until they told me you couldn't get Tickle Me Elmos. You know what I mean? But I just think it's a heartwarming classic. Uh, I think it's one of Phil Hartman's... You know what? I'm not even going to say anything about final performances because I can't remember when he died. Um, that was sad. But I would just I would just give it a try. You know what I mean? What is it? It's like 90 minutes. Just give it 90 minutes. You know, Sinbad and Arnold Schwarzenegger are trying to chase each other around town to get the infamous Turbo Man doll. Meanwhile, Phil Hartman is trying to move in on Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife. He even ate his cookies. Put my cookies down. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. If you have time, maybe just give that one a shot. Hit me up on social media, White Trash Show on all social medias. And let me know what you thought. If If you've never seen it, if you haven't seen it in a long time, if you watch it every year, I'm curious. And that's all I have to say about that. Merry Christmas to all, to Matt and Tim and all the listeners of the SLS cast. Please make 2018 the year of email because I physically cringe with that castration noise every time it's played. So you guys try and email a bit more. I will too. I always think of it. And then by the time I'm like, oh, geez, I should have sent that email. I feel like it's not relevant, but... That's my own. I also feel dumb. Um, I don't feel like I'm a good writer. But Matt and Tim have always been very kind to me with my stupid ramblings. So that's not an excuse, folks. That's what I'm doing. I'm shilling for emails. I'm shilling for you to watch Jingle all the way. I'm shilling for you to have a Merry Christmas or insert relevant season's greetings to you and yours. That's all, folks. all you movie junkies and cinephiles it's time for the sls cast with your hosts matt and tim and welcome everyone to episode 258 of the sls cast yes ladies and gentlemen it's the holiday 2017 edition of the SLS cast. We really just want to take the time out to really just share our favorites of this of this year and wish you guys a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday season for whatever you're doing. I, of course, am Matt, and still coming to us all the way from sunny yet holiday-filled California would be our resident Sony employee, Matthew. You sound 
sick still. What's wrong with you? Do you have AIDS? <laughs> this is a full week of sickness, and, and by the sound of it, I don't think it's going to be better by next week. No, I, I, I have to be honest with you. By the way, you're Tim. That's Tim. Oh, I, I'm Tim. I'm Tim. I'm Tim. Yes, I, I am Tim. It's Tiny Tim this week. <laughs> Wee little winky Tim. <laughs> An SLS cast bless us, everyone. Yes. I don't know. Maybe this is turning into, like, pneumonia or something. It's probably going to last through the new year, to say the least. <laughs> and you know what? I'm okay with that. Yes, maybe you need some of this matchbook Tinto Bay Red Blend wine I, I, I'm drinking from. The special fiancé SO, the more significantly significant, significant other... Her her father when when the family left after her thirtieth birthday celebration the a big surprise we threw for her in the engagement they weren't able to take all this wine on the on the flight so he gave it to me and I remembered from Thanksgiving when we spent Thanksgiving with her family in Sacramento that they really liked a specific wine that they found at a local gas station and after drinking it I am pretty certain that this is a bottle of said local gas station wine that they happen to find at a local gas station in Venice Beach, California. Wow. Well, that is very specific. But you're not getting away that easily, sir. You owe us a remarkable, romantic, holiday-inspiring story of the proposal to the SO. And go. I need, well, first, I need my uh, my uh, my cheesy Hallmark Christmas inspired theme music. Well, we, all right, okay. This that's okay. Oh, never mind, never mind, never mind. Okay, I want to. I want to. This made me want to strip. But anyways, by the way, did you hear that Netflix called out the fifty three people who have been watching The Christmas Prince? Every single day since it became available on Netflix. They called those people out on Twitter. I find that hilarious. Anyways. No, seriously? 53, only 53 people have watched Yeah, it, it was like 53 or maybe 80 people. I, I, I forget exactly. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to get on that. So um, just really quickly, the SO's 30th surprise birthday party, I was going to surprise her with friends and family. A bunch of her family came into town. Her best friend lives in San Francisco. She came into town and just friends from all over came together. And I really wanted it to be special for her. And so I planned this big surprise party the Friday night of her birthday. And her parents rented a condo along the Venice Canals in Venice, California. And and it just so happens that the week before, I went to the jeweler to put the final touches on the drawings or the renderings of the engagement ring. I went there, I you know we did the final touches, and I agreed to have that specific ring made. And I was talking to the jeweler, and he mentioned, oh, what was I going to be doing um, this weekend? And I mentioned, oh, I'm preparing for Theso's uh, 30th birthday. It's going to be a surprise. I'm planning all this. And he goes, oh, cool. When's the birthday party? Well, it's not this coming Friday, but it's the next Friday. Oh, well, so I assume you're going to want this ring for her birthday. And I was like, shit, man, you have to, like, fucking make the ring. I mean, it's a custom ring. And, 
you know, he was like, don't worry, we'll, we'll get it made. And to make a long story short, it got made and I was able to propose before her big 30th birthday surprise. And that week leading up to the proposal, I went online and ordered this really cool ornament. And it was of two snow people, uh, a snowman and a snow lady, uh, my name under the snowman and the SO's name under the snow lady. And it said, engaged 2017. And, you know, asked her, it was the night of her birthday, so she opened up a couple of her gifts from family, the family who she had no idea was in town at that time. Uh, and then after they, she opened up their gifts, I gave her the gift, which ultimately was the ornament. So she opened it up and saw it and was like, why did you give me an ornament? The reason why I did the ornament, it, it spawned from this whole kind of thing where I never given her an ornament for the past five and a half years we've been together, a Christmas ornament, so I figured she would like that. And so she saw it, she was completely confused as to why I gave her an engagement ornament, thinking that maybe it was a joke until I had the ring and I proposed to her at that moment. And uh, I will say this, it is absolutely true. Uh, not only is it a complete blur for the ladies, but it is also a complete blur for the guy. Because I could not tell you really what I said. I guarantee you I did have a spiel ready to go, but it, it didn't pan out uh, the way that I was expecting it to because I was not nervous at all leading up to that moment until it came to actually revealing the box the ring was in but I forgot to open up the ring box to show the ring. And then once I was prompted by the SO to open up the box, I then forgot to put the ring on her finger until I was then prompted by the SO to put the ring on her finger. So um, it became nerve wracking right at the final moment. So that that is the story. Um, was that ro romantic at all? I, I, I can't tell. I think that that was exceptionally romantic. Especially the part where you said, I don't even remember what I said. That's good. <laughs> that's, honestly, though, I think that's awesome. Uh, congratulations to you and to the SO. Thank you. And, and, and uh, many happy returns. Thank you. I mean, I do remember yes, what I sorry. said, just it's private. <laughs> Which translates to, yo, here's a ring, bitch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's all my scrotum. Oh, God, that sounds painful. <sighs> Anyways, all right, well, that's awesome. So as as you all know, this week's episode where we recap 2017, our favorite movies of 2017, and our next week's episode where we're going into the new year, we celebrate the things or we, we discuss the movies we're looking forward to seeing. Uh, into the next year. These are kind of truncated episodes and and really easygoing. So we're just going to jump right into those movies that we liked. I have consolidated mine into a top 10 list of movies that uh, we discussed on the show this year. I didn't really see a lot of movies outside of movies that I watched for the show that really kind of grabbed my attention that uh, were enough for me to say, holy crap, I wish we could have watched them. I did watch a lot of TV series and things of that nature and stuff. Uh, most recently, you know, I just caught up on The Crown, so I'm really excited for that to continue next year. I'm looking forward to see what they do with that stuff. So I'm more of a TV guy. I know that Tim's got a lot of um, extracurricular movies and stuff that he wants to talk about, including his new record. 
that uh, he's going to do. So, Tim, do you, would you like to go first? Sure, yeah. I, well, actually, I don't want to take up too much of the time all at once. So I think right now uh, I'll, I'll talk about the movies that we reviewed on the show before getting into some of the ones that I uh, I, I watched on my own. But I did break my record. I don't know if it's something necessarily to be proud of or not. I think with hurting my ankle, I had a lot more free time on my hands because I went from seeing 393 flicks last year in 2016 to watching a whopping 415 oh i'm sorry i got that wrong 414 flicks this year <laughs> i got around to watching uh, more stuff outside the sls cast and um yeah but uh but again i i i don't know if that's necessarily something to be proud of or not but i'll tell you this i have no plans whatsoever to make that commitment Ever again, I will not be topping 450 next year. Um, I, I wish to go outside uh, a little bit more and, and enjoy uh, a little bit of sunshine. Uh, I, I guess, and I have a wedding to plan, so I'd be stupid and foolish if I came anywhere close to 415 in 2018. Here are some of the movies that I love that we covered on the SLS cast, uh, and I'm going to bypass the Oscar movies that were either winners or were nominated this year. We didn't get to see 2016, but we covered at the beginning of 2017, like Manchester by the Sea, Hidden Figures, and and Moonlight. So I'm going to bypass those, and I'm going to start off with Postcards from the Edge, which we discussed on episode 214 as our masterpiece discussion. Yes, that's the Carrie Fisher-esque based movie starring Meryl Streep and Christ, what's her name? I just completely forgot her name. But that doesn't matter. It's a great Mike Nichols movie. We watched that as an ode to Carrie Fisher in early January. We covered Split in January as well for episode 216. I gave that one a 4.25 out of 5. I'm kind of surprised that uh, there hasn't been much buzz over James McAvoy's performance getting nominated for the Golden Globes for next year or even an Academy Award because I thought he did a stellar job and he carried a large chunk of that film playing all those different characters very nuanced and it didn't ever feel cheap his performance and i just thoroughly enjoyed him in split in m night Shyamalan's split which is also his best movie in quite some time we also talked about both renditions of solaris steve sodenberg's solaris from 2002 in the solaris from 1972 which is directed by Andrea Tarkovsky. I gave the Russian version of Solaris five stars, whereas I gave George Clooney starring Solaris 4.5 out of 5. Well, we also covered John Wick Chapter 2 in February. That's a four-star movie for me. Logan was another big movie that came out this year in March. Uh, I gave that one a 4.25 out of 5. If I remember correctly, Matthew, you did uh, give that movie a pretty high rating. I, however, felt that Logan was a little bit of a um, over... I'm blanking on this word. And I I remember Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine is in Postcards from the Edge. Maybe I'll think of what I'm thinking of now later on, where where people give something too much credit It's a word that we've all learned in grammar school, and I cannot believe I'm not thinking of it now. Overrated? Thank you. I was going to say overly liked. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did think Logan, even though, I mean, I do think it's a very good movie. I did find it to be overrated. It's, I don't think it's a masterpiece by any means, but it is a good film and I did give it four out of five. I do like The Apple, which we reviewed for Creme de la Crap in April. Uh, I know I significantly like that one more so than Matt. The Lost City of Z is another movie that I thought was underrated and hasn't been getting much Oscar or Golden Globes love this year. That came out April 22nd. We covered that one on episode 229 for our flicks. I gave that one a four. I recently actually rewatched it and enjoyed it so much more. It's a great film, very nuanced. It's a slow burn. Uh, It's on Amazon Prime now, I believe. You guys got to check it out if you have not. And and let us know, because that is definitely one that I want to know what you all, our listeners, what you think of this film. Well, we talked about Gardens of the Galaxy 2. I know, Matt, you like that one significantly more. I thought that one was a little bit more overblown with the comedy, tried a little too hard. The visuals were great, though, and I thought that ending... Despite the movie itself being a little too overblown with the action and comedy and forced comedy, it had a very nice poignant ending and a touching send-off to the angry blue character that turned out to be more of a father figure to Peter Quill than, you know, Peter Quill's evil dad. Uh, We covered Wonder Woman. I thought Wonder Woman was also slightly overrated. I say it was slightly overrated, or maybe more so overrated than just slightly, because I rewatched Wonder Woman on an airplane, and when you... Go from seeing this movie on an IMAX screen with great sound and for the very first time, so you're completely caught off guard, watching it again on a smaller screen where I wasn't bothered by it, but it was a significantly smaller screen where you're focused on the story itself and not necessarily the spectacle. The movie really isn't that great. And with that film, I kind of realized that maybe just the idea of it being a Wonder Woman movie, what the movie stood for, and the overall spectacle of it really distracted people from how not fantastic of a movie it actually is. You know, it's also a very CGI-heavy movie, and when you strip it down a little bit, you know, it's not that great. Uh, We talked about Five Came Back, the Netflix original documentary. Love that one. That was a five-star documentary. We cover The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, Shane, The Best Years of Our Lives. They Were Expendable, The Diary of Anne Frank, in preparation for The Five Came Back, our discussion for it. And uh, all those films are fantastic films. They're either 4.5s or 5 stars. you got to check all those out. Great. Those are probably the best classic movies that we reviewed this past year where uh, the film supporting the five came back documentary again it was uh, the treasure of the sierra madre with humphrey bogart uh, shane the best years of our lives uh, which is the great william wyler film about how war affects soldiers uh, the different types of soldiers you have the pilot the marine for example the hurt marine the, the marine that lost his arm and has a hook and how life affected him coming back home uh, in the Diary of Anne Frank, which is, of course, a you know a movie about the Holocaust. Um, we did uh, Air Force One for Did It Age Well, and I believe, yes, it did age well. We talked about Spider Homecoming, which was a surprise delight. War for the Planet of the Apes, which I gave it a 4.5 out of 5. I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Great emotional depth for a movie that is practically almost entirely where almost every character that you care about is entirely CGI or motion capture. Dunkirk, I believe, Matt, you enjoyed that movie significantly more than I did. I gave that one a four. But it is a a movie that is pretty extraordinary since 
There's not a whole lot of dialogue. It's rely it relies a great deal on sound and imagery. We covered the big chill for Did It Age Well. That is a five-star excellent film. Rewatching it again for the upteenth time solidified itself as an absolute American classic, one that I will revisit multiple times a year. And if I remember correctly, Matt, this was the first time you saw it, and I believe you fell in love with it as much as I did when I first saw it for the first time. We also covered it this past September. I gave it four out of five. Stronger. I watched uh, this one back in uh, October, but we covered it for episode 252. One of my favorite films of the year by far. One of my favorite performances of the year was Jake Gyllenhaal in this film. Definitely an, an Academy Awards caliber performance without trying to be a hammy awards stealer of a movie. The Innocence, which we did for the Halloween episode. Great film with Deborah Kerr. Night of the Demon, another great horror flick that I know, Matt, you loved we covered for the Halloween uh, as one of our Halloween flicks. We have Thor Ragnarok, which is a four star movie for me. First, they killed my father, another four star, which we covered recently. Mudbound, a 4.75 out of five movie. Definitely another one of those awards worthy flicks that isn't trying to be an awards, uh, an obvious awards worthy flick. We also have The Man Who Invented Christmas, which I rated last week as 4.5 out of 5, and then uh, The Disaster Artist, which we did last week as well, which I gave a 4. What I actually realized that I have missing from this list is The Big Sick and Wind River. Wind River we covered on episode 248. I gave that one a 4.25. The Big Sick is a 4.5 out of 5. The Big Sick, of course, is one of my favorite scripts from this year. And probably the one script and the one semi-comedy drama that trumps this one is one I'll get to uh, after Matt when I talk about uh, just a couple of the films that I saw outside of the SLS cast that you have got to go see. Right on, right on. Okay, well, I am basically, this is a rundown I uh, of all of my five-star movies <clears throat> and 4.75-star movies of this year. Uh turns out that um <clears throat> that I only had 6 of those movies <laughs> so I then decided to augment my top 10 list with um with the top picks from the four and a half star and the four and a quarter star movies and the four star movies of this year um so let's start at the beginning, shall we? That's who's the best way to start. So, uh, number one on the list of films from episode 220 back in February of 2017. Five out of five stars for Mean Dreams, the 2016 Canadian coming-of-age thriller. It's directed by Nathan Mor uh, Morlando. And this is the one that starred uh, Sophie uh, Nealis, Josh Wiggins, and Bill Paxton. About the two teenagers who come together. And, of course, Bill Paxton is definitely the bad guy of this film. And they cross him, and now they're trying to deal with the fallout from having crossed him. I absolutely love this movie. I was truly, truly stingy with the five stars this year. And uh, this is one of two five-star movies for 2017. And I definitely recommend that you check it out. It is a... Uh, stark reminder of what we lost when we lost Bill Paxton. Uh, moving on to my second and final five-star movie of the year uh, from episode 255, so just a couple weeks ago. 
Mudbound. Yeah, that's right. The 2017 period drama film directed by D. Rees and, of course, talks about the two guys who came back from World War II and the very different... Um, the very different lives that they came back to when they come back to Mississippi. <clears throat> and again, this movie is just ridiculously powerful, just out, just beautifully acted, um, excellently shot all the way around. If you still haven't seen this movie, there's no excuse. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Um, the th- movie number three for me from the Oscar season because, again, I was really stingy with my ratings this year. So I did choose Oscar picks in this um, from episode 216, which uh, was from January of this year. Moonlight. Yeah, big winner at the Oscars this year. And this, of course, another coming of age drama film directed by Barry Jenkins based on Terrell Alvin McCraney's uh, semi-autobiographical play and this is uh the movie where it's actually shown where where you see the the where you see our protagonist's life from when he is young to when he's a teenager to when he is fully grown and it explores a lot of the different aspects of life uh that are just really and truly aren't covered um and, and and in some ways people I, I guess it's definitely fair to say they don't talk about it, whether or not they're afraid to. I kind of feel like they might be a little bit afraid to uh, talk about, especially in regards to homosexuality. So just an absolutely outstanding film. That was a 4.75 film of mine. Uh, also from earlier this year, from episode 220, again back in February, Land of Mine. This was one of the foreign films that we talked about this year at the Oscars. It's the Danish-German historical drama film. And this is the one where it's going over the um, the prisoners of war who are basically hired to clear minefields and everything like that for the Danes after World War II. Uh, it's just an absolutely outstanding film. And yet another reason why I always tell people, you've got to be willing to read subtitles. It's not that difficult. It stays in your peripheral vision most of the time. And there's just such a great amount of cinema to be had out there if you're just willing to give it a shot. Land of Mine is a, is, is just another beautiful uh, example of this. Moving on down into <clears throat> episode 222 from March of 2017 is a film that Tim referenced for me. Logan, 2017 American superhero film. Directed by James Mangold. I do not believe it was overrated. I gave this a 4.75 out of 5. And I stand by that 4.75 out of 5. Um, the film is just... It is. It completely exemplifies everything that it means to have lived with Wolverine. To have lived with Logan. For as long as we, the audience, have lived with Logan. And for some of us who experienced him in the comic books growing up in in our formative years or as teenagers to actually see a journey end in such a fashion and in such a poignant and such an important way is i don't think it's possible to overstate something like that um that i mean 
it's it is truly iconic i mean you could honestly put at this point you could literally put wolverine in the pathos of superman or batman or spider-man or iron man this is just truly an iconic character who has who has shown and and shown brightly over the course of so many films and largely all of the films have been very well received uh, which is something that can't be said for a lot of the Spider-Man movies, or I'm sorry, well, even Spider-Man movies, or the Superman movies, or most of the Batman movies, um, Justice League notwithstanding. You know, when, you, when we look at the issues that we were having with films just as recently as that. So, um, I don't know. I, I definitely don't feel that this one was overrated, and I stand by the 4.75 out of 5. It's not a perfect movie, and I think that there's enough... There's enough hanging off of that film to accurately deny it a five out of five, but I'll be damned if I won't ever say that it's not worth 4.75 out of five. Moving into episode 247 from uh, September 2017 is 2017's version of It, or It Chapter 1. This is, of course, directed by Andy uh, Muschietti and is based on It by Stephen King, as we all know. Uh, and Pennywise played just expertly by Bill Skarsgård. And the again, they just really, 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 really got such a great break when they put these kids together and have all of the wonderful synergy and just excellent chemistry that comes into this cast. And... Um, the movie is definitely not <clears throat> not perfect and does push a little push some pressure points unnecessarily at certain points, which is why I gave it a four point seven five out of five. Um, there there are things that just kind of hang on the edge that you're just kind of like mm, not quite, and and that's okay. It still doesn't stop this from being a, just an absolutely fantastic movie for me. And so that is why I gave it the 4.75 out of 5. And I think you should watch it. Uh, moving into the 4.5s. This is the only 4.5 movie that made my top 10 list. Which is interesting because I actually have two 4.25 movies that made the top 10 list. Um, and it's not because I don't feel that the other 4.5s no longer deserve their 4.5s. I just think that the impact that they had, despite the lower rating, um, is something to is something to consider. So my only 4.5 out of 5 film to make the list coming in at number 7 is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. While I definitely feel that in some aspects it... Uh, missed the mark a little bit, and I can and I can certainly understand where Tim is coming from. Tim has uh, some valid criticisms. The movie, in and of itself, really and truly expertly built upon what made it great and singled it out as something to behold and prove that you don't have to follow the Avengers formula in order to make a successful film. They've also done something. Uh, they also added something to this film that you wouldn't think that you would have in a sequel. And that's heart. That's it's hard to just build on that heart and give it something more, especially in a sophomore release. Well, um, we know that generally trilogies you want to try and build into and have some big explosive thing that can happen so that your finale is is fantastic here. We know that because of the infinity war and everything, we knew we were going to see him again. 
But I really, really, truly enjoyed how they built on the universe. And despite some minor flaws that keep it from being perfect um, and, and really keep it from going into the 4.75 territory, it is still fun. It is fantastic. And it's worth watching. So that's the 4.5 movie that made it. Um, coming in at number eight is uh, the 4.25 out of five from episode 217. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy was back in... Uh, May of 2017 with episode 231. Um, episode 217 from February 2017. Jumping back to the uh, to the uh, <clears throat> um, foreign films from the Oscars. A Man Called Ove. Just a fantastic movie. It's, it's just a wonderful dramedy. And it's offbeat. It's fun. I highly, highly, highly recommend this one. Uh, again, there are some there are some issues with it where I think at some points it tries a little too hard. But even still, it's just such a just such a delightful movie, and it really does bring a smile to my face whenever I think of it. And as I'm scrolling through this list, there's a lot of 4.25 movies this year, um, and this one really just kind of stuck out for me. And I was like, you know what, we're gonna talk about that one. So again, that's uh, that's a man called Ove. It's the Swedish dramedy film. And uh, directed by Hans Holm. Check it out. Um, from And then taking the number nine spot is <clears throat> the movie we talked about last week, Disaster Artist, uh, directed by James Franco. I won't really go into it again, but um, for an end-of-the-year movie like this, and um, a surprising awards candidate, I think it's I, I think it's deserving of its accolades and, and, and the praise that it's getting. And I think that it will that it will prove the worth and the longevity that the room has created by helping people to at least get a window, even if they don't even if you can arguably say you won't really fully understand or fully appreciate the eccentricities or the <clears throat> the way that Tommy Wiseau was uh, you know, using people and things of that nature, even if you don't get that full aspect of it, I think that still you get a window into something that it became a cult phenomenon in a way that you won't ever be able to truly appreciate otherwise. So the disaster artist takes that number nine spot. And finally, finally, my four point uh my four out of five star movie in the tenth spot from episode two fifty two in November of this year, Thor Ragnarok. What a just what a way to bounce back and really give us something to just completely embrace all things Thor. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of the soundtrack, but I was a great fan of the score of this film. And I thought that uh, the that the humor in the movie was just really, really well done. And all things considered, uh, just really once again proves why Marvel's on top and DC is coming up a very distant second. So, that is my list of the top 10 movies from 2017 format. For Matthew. That's it for me, sir. All right, well, quickly, I want to talk about some things that I watched that I think is definitely worth your time. I know we never really talk about animated flicks, especially the Batman or DC animated flicks, but there are two home video released animated flicks that you ought to check out. Justice League Dark, which came out 
uh, January of 2017, and most recently, Batman vs. Two-Face, which unfortunately is the last time we will hear Adam West's Batman voice. Both films are very good. In fact, Batman vs. Two-Face is the better of the bunch. So definitely check it out if you like classic Batman and also Adam West. It's absolutely charming. Documentary-wise, you have uh, My Scientology Movie, which is directed by John Dower. That came out in March. I recommend that. If you're a fan of uh, learning more about Scientology, it takes kind of a humorous look at it as it's uh, talking to some of the people that have defected from that group. One movie that caught me off guard, which released on a VOD on April 7th, you can still check it out on... Well, actually, no, I think you can find it on Netflix or Amazon by now, but it's called The Void, directed by Jeremy Jalepsi and Stephen Kostansky. It's a, it's a very interesting movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it because it's an homage to those 70s and 80s flicks, and even early 90s flicks, the horror type of flicks that just make you feel super uneasy. These people are trapped in a hospital and there is like this cult or what you perceive as a cult outside just surrounding the hospital and they're trying to figure out what's going on. It's a frightening, uncomfortable film that you definitely need to check out. I thoroughly enjoyed it. What I really liked about it is that the filmmakers substituted CGI effects and characters with practical effects and characters as well as makeup and puppetry and costumes it looks good for being a low budget flick it's gritty and grimy and could have used a little bit more of like the fun oomph that we've been seeing in some of these throwback movies as of late but it's still a good film it's a nice throwback film so please check out the void and reach out to me let me know what you think about it here we have uh, Becoming Bond, which is a Hulu documentary about George Lazenby's run as Bond in the one flick on Your Majesty's Secret Service. It's uh, about how Lazenby and why Lazenby became Bond and what happened to him afterwards. I might go as far to say it might be my favorite movie of the year, which nobody is really talking about it um, as of now. It's called Madi, directed by Ailing Walsh, which was released uh, in June of this year. It is a fantastic film. It is about a woman named Maud, a true story about a woman named Maud in Nova Scotia, Canada, who became well known for her pictures that she painted all of her life. She lived in poverty, pretty much. This movie does star Ethan Hawke as her old curmudgeon of her husband, or who becomes her husband, I guess. And Sally Hawkins plays Maud. And it is an incredibly affectionate I mean, just fantastic to watch the character played by Ethan Hawke, who is just old curmudgeon of a, of a man. He comes across as mean and watching as he slowly opens up towards her and becomes more affectionate. And Maudie, just Sally Hawkins is an amazing actress, probably the best actress now. I mean, you know, she is the new Meryl Streep when it comes to character actresses, but she has more of a sincerity to her that is wonderful. And my God, this movie is a beautiful film. And... Unfortunately, this may be another Love and Mercy. It'll be a shame if this movie doesn't get any awards recognition because it is a fantastic film. And I haven't seen The Shape of Water yet, but I, I mean, I just hope her performance in that does not overshadow her performance in Mahdi. But please, please, please check it out. Sony Classics distributed it. It is available on VOD and available to rent. 
Um, let's see here. Just a couple more. Uh, they re-released Close Encounters of the Third Kind in 4K. Gotta check that out, guys. That looks great. The third trip movie with Steve Coogan, Rob Ryden, the trip to Spain. This time they do a Sancho Panza and Don Quixote spin to their story, and it's cool. I just noticed today that they added it to Instant on Netflix, to Netflix Instant, so you can check it out streaming on Netflix. Do check out The Trip to Spain. It might be my favorite one of the bunch so far. You have Too Funny to Fail, The Life and Death of the Dana Carvey Show, which released on Hulu uh, this past November. It's a great documentary of the Dana Carvey Show, and they're trying to be edgy in primetime, Friday night on primetime TV on ABC. Absolutely fascinating. This was really Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert's first job as a writer. Robert Pattinson's Good Time is worth a check out, though not as great as what one might think it would be, but it's well worth your time to watch Robert Pattinson's character work. He's fantastic. There's a new uh, documentary about Steven Spielberg called Spielberg. Fantastic film. You have the sequel to uh, Patrick Bryce's Creep. Guys, if you haven't seen the the first Creep, it's on Netflix. Creep 2, if it's not on Netflix already, it's about to be released on Netflix instant. You got to check it out. Just found out it's going to be a trilogy. It's well, well-written stuff, guys. We had the Meyerowitz stories, New and Selected, which was released on Netflix on November 17th. Noah Baumbach film, one of Adam Sandler's best performances, one of the best flicks of the year. Uh, another documentary on Netflix, Jim and Andy, uh, The Great Beyond, featuring a very special contractually obligated mention of Tony Clifton. Uh, it's about Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman in Man in the Moon and his process in becoming Andy Kaufman during the production of that film. Ingrid Goes West is a great look on uh, society and just the life and times of people in LA and how annoying, fucking annoying they can be. The movie, when I wrote out my a review of it, I just basically wrote so true dot 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 and rated the movie a four or more or whatever. Probably the other two great movies of the year is Lady Bird, directed by Greta Gerwig and written by Greta Gerwig, starring Saoirse Ronan, is fantastic. And Call Me By Your Name, directed by Luca Guadagnino, i sure I didn't pronounce that correctly. Both of these films are fantastic. You have to go see Lady Bird and Call Me By Your Name immediately. And then probably one of the biggest surprises of the year is Better Watch Out. What begins as a well-shot, by-the-numbers, raunchy, home-invasion flick, by the 30-minute mark becomes a well-acted and carefully shot suspense thriller. I mean, it says a lot that before I became fully invested in this very smart and well-written flick... I was about to shut the movie off. It's a great flick. You, you got to check that one out as well. So Better Watch Out is one of the biggest surprises of the year, but Maddie, Lady Bird, and Call Me By Your Name are probably the best flicks I've seen this year outside of reviewing flicks for the SLS cast. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, that definitely is now officially the longest recap episode we've had. Well done. <laughs> You guys are going to be really disappointed when you see what we have for you next week. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, then, I guess if nothing else is holding us up, it's time for the spiel, is it not? Spiel on. Can I show you something? Oh. 
I was just uh, smelling, smiling. I was just blouse browsing. <laughs> for your wife or your girlfriend? Uh, what? What happened? <laughs> Oof. Oh, I guess it wouldn't be any. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't be the Christmas shopping season if the stores were any less hooter than they are, harder than they are. Whew, it is warm in here. Well, you have your coat on. Yes. Oh, do I? How did that happen? Because it's cold out? Yes. Yes. It is. It's a bit nipply out. I mean nippy out. <laughs> what did I say? Nipple? <laughs> uh, there is a nip in the air, though. to as always has been brought to us by our music partners for rise of solace you can check them out at reverbnation.com and facebook.com both slash cries of solace and as for us we are of course the sls cast you can find us at slscast.com you can send us an email to the show at slscast.com you can also follow us on twitter at the sls cast you can follow me this is matt on twitter at nitswit12345 you can of course comment board that information superhighway and track down tim on twitter if that's your heart's desire and as always you can subscribe to us on itunes and or favorite us on stitcher radio as well as track us down on the old soundcloud so until next week this is matt saying that thanks to me i get to say this have a very Merry Christmas. Take care, cinephiles. We'll talk at you again for the last time this year next week. Madam, perhaps we should be going. Oh, very well, monsieur. Thank you so much. So nice to see you. And I hope very much we will see you again very soon. Au revoir, monsieur. Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. You can find us over at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. And of course, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>